Hello and welcome to the Scottish Fantasy Football Community Podcast. My name is Thomas. And I'm Harry. And this is our 13th instalment of this podcast following a very successful international break for the Scottish boys. I think that's almost verbatim what we said last time. After that, this, the last time True. we recorded after an international break was coming off the back of victories versus Israel and the Faroe Islands. Yes, I mean, two. As with as is with this one, it's like just games. I would also expect Scotland to lose just because it's Scotland yeah. and the last I don't know decade of football. Like losing three 0 to Kazakhstan is a team you should win, and you still get absolutely pumped by them. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, feels anyway. good. But I, let's swing our attention towards fantasy football, Scotland, Thomas. It's been what ten days since the last domestic fixture. Remind us, Thomas. How did you get on this week? So I was thinking about it whilst I was at work, and um, I was wondering if my score was sort of going to sort of f- like sort of fuster over the international break. But it's aged like a fine wine. Uh, I got a total of 106 points. That makes that the first uh, three-digit score um, for this podcast. So congrats, Thomas. Very well done. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just... I feel like it's similar to the week where everyone sort of captained Tav and I ta- captained Aribo. It's just everyone captained the right player and I captained potentially the wrong player. Oh, I know, not potentially. I did captain the wrong player. This week was the opposite. I had potentially the perfect CVC, um, captaining Jota and vice-captaining Furuhashi, who got me a combined total of, I think it was 62 points. Very impressive. Yep. And then Aribo finally doing something with me. He got his a goal and an assist. Um, and then two clean sheets in the... Uh, three clean sheets, sorry, even from the St. Johnson St. Mirren game. I was looking at that before before the game started and I had everything crossed that it would be a dull nil-niller and that is exactly what it was. So, yep, McCart and Tanzer both got me six and then Clark got his clean sheet points. I think he made over three saves and then got the three bonus points. Then only... Halkett McCann got me one point, and for the first time in a long time, neither of my strikers hit. Yourself, how'd you do? Compared to your game week, nowhere near as impressive, but still a very respectable 77 points. Um, Like you, my captain and vice-captain hit, just not with the strength that yours did. Um, First of all, I captained Tav, who um, scored me a total of 16 points, and then vice-captain Furuhashi got me 24. Um, Other strong performance from the weekend this week, uh, for the weekend, from the weekend for me, um, Ralston on ten. He's been one of my inspired signings so far. He's been excellent. Um, I had Anik score me seven along with Cami Devlin of Hearts, and then uh, Regan Charles Cook again. Another probably another one of my better signings. He got me six points, and my non-performers this week were um, McCann with a measly one point next to his good pal Balkan, who also scored me just one point. My two transfers flopped, Hedges and Ramirez in, scoring me two points apiece, and then Brophy coming off the bench, in real life, not my bench, um, for just one point. And then I had uh, Boyle and McGinn, who had a blank game week this week, rooted firmly to my FFS bench. Um, Overall, 77 points, good game week, uh, with a small green arrow taking me up to an overall rank of 365. Yeah, um, a point I would like to make is just how sort of one very solid game week 
can rocket you like sky high. I was festering just outside the top 1,000 and I'm now in the top 400. And I feel like your climb would be like significantly greater position-wise if you're maybe 5th or 6th K. That could potentially like easily take you into the top 2, 2K. Absolutely. And it also goes to show how important getting, getting your captaincy and vice-captaincy can be um, with regards to overall rank. Regardless, let's move on to the fixtures. Thomas, why don't you kick us off with the blockbuster this weekend that saw Hearts put five past Dundee, who in and of themselves registered a respectable two goals for a, a seven-goal thriller. Uh, yeah, I mean, very entertaining. Um, there were a few standout performers in the game. Although it was 5-2, the goalkeepers st- still performed reasonably well, easily could have ended 10, ten apiece. But, yeah, uh, some notes I've got is that Woodburn was very, very central and getting really, like, getting into the box a lot. Um, for Dundee, Clark and Nis- Liskinen were also getting into very advanced positions, so I'd, I feel like I keep bringing him up with Niskanen and he's still not really returning. It's I just feel it's a matter of time before he goes big. Um, however, there's... Two players who I would like to individually shout out, and they were Woodburn. He had his two goals. He kept. He had two key passes and had three shots on target. And the other one is Alex Cochran, who had five key passes that game. So something I noticed about him as well was the position from which he took his goal. That was him, you know, not even charging into the box in a late run. He was there waiting for the ball to come across. Um. So as a two point eight million. You know, budget defender. I think he can. He is providing great value. He uh, already has bagged one holy trinity goal assist and clean sheet this season, and he got a goal and assist in the most recent game week. So I, I really do like him as a player from a fantasy football Scotland perspective. Um, Nicky Clark also was all right. I mean, when you lo- when you your team loses five two. It's kind of hard to sort of shine in your team, but again, he was decent as was Kieran Kieran Freeman. Yes, you know I I have Kieran Freeman down here in my notes as well. I think he provided the assist for the Clark goal. And to be yep. fair, Clark has hit not form as such. He was in my team at the very beginning of the season, just based purely on the fact that he was on penalties. Two goals in five games, and he has been looking sharp. So he is on the radar uh, to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to fantasy football picks, obviously it seems that the Hearts defenders take their turns each week at getting the points. This week it was Cochrane and Kingsley. Um, I think the best bet along that back back line potentially would be Cochrane, purely based on his price point. Yeah, and the and fact that he's playing so far out of position. Yeah, and, and just how, like how often he's in the box or in an attacking position. Yeah, something I want to bring up uh, with regards to Hearts, I guess, before we move on. Um, was obviously Boyce is still absent as he's coming back from um, an injury. I was listening to This Is My Story podcast, uh, uh, sort of Hearts unofficial fan podcast, and they reckoned that there's a chance that uh, Nielsen may start them again. You know, considering that you know that front three oh, um, played when and you say five. When you say them, are you meaning Barry Mackay, Gino and Woodburn? I am. He may stick with them considering how how well they performed together and give Boyce more time to 
um, come back from his injury, as Nielsen is the type of manager who is willing to give players opportunities, provided they deliver strong performances. So, something to bear in mind. Yep. On to the next game, and we're going for a bit of a an emotional roller coaster. We are going to the most boring game of the week, and that was St. Johnston and St. Marin. And the only notes that I have for this is main... Although he was shooting, he he just made like he just had poor shot choice, and it's just there was like better options available, or he could have taken the ball further on before he shot, and or he, or he could have put it either side of the keeper, like for his header, it was a very good cross, and he does well to get to it, like he finds himself in a good position, but he puts it straight down Xander Clark's throat. Yep. So I uh, like. I've been trying to sort of pick a man of the match or like a couple of players to highlight and I was going to make the joke, oh, the referee was the man of the match, but even then I don't agree that he was that great. So I don't know, like maybe Xander Clark because he got the three saves, but like it just, there's nothing really to talk about other than... Brophy missing, I think, is worth highlighting. That was strange. I've got no reason, like no idea as to why he had been dropped for this fixture. Yeah, like, very true. St. Mirren, I think, have failed to score on their last, like, like I forget the statistics, so I'm not even going to bother trying to trot it out. But their goal-scoring record at McDermott Park is shocking, like a bit, like more abysmal than you can imagine. And they've taken off their best striker, like they did not, they decided to go against playing their best striker. Very yeah. bizarre. So hopefully that's the main experiment done with and Brophy starts up top again uh, this weekend. Um I'd be surprised if he did off the back of that Carter's main performance. Yeah, like the just the the game was just bad as well. Like nothing really happened. Like in the SPFL highlights, which aren't even the greatest, they most of the stuff was just like most of the highlights were just like fouls that were given away and stuff like that. Just not a great game to watch. Yeah, I think Saint John Saint Johnson though are potentially cause for concern. And Absolutely. it's Xander Clark is the only player in that side at the moment who is keeping them in it um dundee united sort of stats analysis fan page at arab analytics put up a very uh interesting what, what would you call it graphic visual um where they looked at sort of um attacking and defending trends from the season compared to last and they have st johnson as slipping massively on both the xga and xg front um, so I think, and I I might be wrong, but I also think Xander Clark is the keeper to have prevented the most expected goals per game so far this season. Yeah, um, that's something I was uh, up the other end of the park. The striker issue again is concerned. I mean, that's Chris Kane. Is that his second red card of the? Se- I want to say he's been sent off already, but he might not have. I think you're thinking of when. All those Celtic fans were crying for him to be sent off after Maybe. him and Carter Vickers had that wee altercation. Maybe, but yeah, like... <sighs> Things not looking good at St. Johnston. I'm not going to bring any players in, and I think if it was me, they'd be on the chopping block based on the fact that they're not playing uh, in this game week coming, and then their double is Aberdeen at home and Rangers away. So whilst they do double, I don't really see that as a particularly strong possibility of scoring many points. For me, the only good thing about that is that Xander Clark is likely to pick up the three bonus points if they can just draw every game nil-nil and make them as boring as this game week's game was. And they do have Dundee and Ross County before then, so I guess I can't write off some of the other assets completely, but things are not looking good down in Perthshire. 
On to the next one, I reckon, Thomas. Yes, the sooner we stop talking about that game, the better. We shall go to Ibrox for Steven Gerrard's last game in charge. That was an interesting piece of news, and I think came as a shock to not just Rangers fans, but a lot of Scottish football fans. I think it came as a shock, yes, shock to everyone. Um, I mean, there is that interview of him going, do I look settled? Of course I'm settled, or whatever. And that was two weeks before he moved. And Yeah, and he... It doesn't sound like a settled manager there, but like I think everyone just sort of wrote it off as like dumb Scottish journalists asking dumb Scottish journalist questions. It's also hindsight, though, to be fair, because he did knock back Newcastle allegedly. Yeah. Um, and now that Aston Villa have come in for it, all moved very quickly, and he's been away. Um, so I guess keeping an eye on that situation, it'll be very interesting to see who they bring in next. Yep. They're very heavily linked with Giovanni uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. And I think that could be good for fantasy football players, but I guess there's not too much point discussing that until it happens. Let's divert our focus towards the fixture. So yeah, um, Hungbo, uh, for Ross County, Hungbo looks like he's playing very advanced and very central, so he could be, a, a if you're wanting a Ross County pick, he could be one of them. So yeah, cause for his goal, he's just bursting through Right, right, in, almost down the middle of the Rangers' defence. I think he's between the what is the Rangers' left back and left centre back, but he's sort of running towards the six yards box. Um, Kent had a pretty class goal. I think he skins his man and then just absolutely whacks it top corner. It's one of those what was it like knuckle balls where it yep. swerves in the air. Maynard Brewer, like you can just sort of tell by the way he reacts to. To the ball that it's completely like he's scuppered as it's yeah, travelling towards he's him. He's just been sold, sold like a fish at market. Um, but what I will say is Kent doesn't get one of my sort of highlighted players. I have three from this game. They are Aribo. That might be with due to my Aribo tinted owner glasses. Um, Bacuña also looked very good, and so did always Captain. Uh, Aribo had his goal and assist, he had his two key passes, and then was very close to getting an additional three points, making two tackles, two interceptions, and had two shots on target. Um, Bicunha, just something of note, had three shots on target, so he got his extra point from that, and he was getting pretty high up the pitch. And James Tavernier, maybe fortunate for his second assist coming off of Iacovite, but still, he was putting the balls in the right places and he got his just desserts. Um, he was also close to getting an extra point for his tackles as well. Um, but what I will say is players being high up the pitch and stuff like that is now all kind of null and void due to them having what I'm going to assume is a new manager. So they'll be playing under a new system. <laughs> I don't think this is the thing. I guess we will talk about it a little bit now. I don't think the system is going to change much, and I don't see Defoe, Gilmore, and Co. changing up the system. I think it's going to be like, right, guys, whilst they're figuring out the manager position, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. They'll play the same way. I think the lineups are going to be very similar. Um, yeah, just don't upset the apple cart too much. But but when said new manager comes in, it might be a completely different system. We do not know yet. I think if Rangers were to recruit, it would, it, again, because we're mid-season, it would not make sense to start rebuilding. I think they'll more be look, considering the structure they have in place, the kind of squad of players that they have, the kind of way that they've been coached to play. They'll likely appoint a manager. I mean, here I am in the Joe Van Bronckhorst camp, arguing very strongly for him, I guess, to come in, purely because 
suits me as a fantasy football manager. Um, there's no way they're going to change massively mid-season how they're going to play. Um, before we move on from this game, it's worth noting this is uh, six games without a clean sheet for Rangers, and I think yep. that's six times they've conceded first. But which is six times they've not lost from being in a losing position. So I guess we can discuss mentality, etc., etc. But really, that's irrelevant when it comes... Not completely irrelevant, but it's not particularly useful when it comes to Rangers and keeping clean sheets um, as a Tav and Balogun owner. However, seeing as I've mentioned him, Tav has returned seven times in the last four games. I think it's four goals and three assists. I'll just quickly double-check that. Two goals and five assists in his last four games, which is very impressive from the right-back position. And it's very, very good since I transferred him out at the start of that. Um, anyway. Plan, plans to bring him back in in the near oh, future? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Yep. Fair I'm, I, I'm, I f- from what I'm hearing, Rangers are close to appointing a new manager. However, that's just all hearsay. So I might wait to see who the new manager is because he might like a sort of a younger right back to do a higher press or whatever and due to them being young can or like are more able to do higher bursts of energy for longer periods of time. However, again, we don't know. All that happens is I go from Tav to Patterson or something like that. But yes, my plans in the immediate future are to bring him in. I'd agree. Good shout. I think it makes sense then now to move on to the next 4-2 result of the weekend, which saw Dundee score two at home versus the visiting Celtic, Thomas. Yep, again, another top-class game for Scottish football. That's, what, 19 goals in three games in the three high-scoring games this week, which is not something I'm going to complain about, maybe unless I had some Rangers defenders or Celtic defenders. Speaking of Celtic defenders, Ralston put in another pretty inspired performance. He is one of my man of the matches. Um, he got his two assists um, and he absolutely bodied Adam by the looks of it and deservedly got his Scotland call up when Patterson went out suspended. Um, Jota was also getting in all the right positions along with Furuhashi. I think Furuhashi managed to outjump six foot five Ashcroft to a header for one of his goals. Um, however, if you're wanting a Dundee asset, McMullen looks very, very good. His crosses into the box were top class. And speaking of top cl- uh, crosses into the box, it is still a weakness of Celtics. So if you have a team that is able to cross, maybe like Rangers, might definitely be a good time to get Tav in for that game. Um, However, something I did notice when watching highlights is Celtic enjoy a really high press. I think for one of the goals, it looks like Carter Vickers almost just hoofs up, like not even bothering trying to get it to them. It looks like he almost kicks it so Celtic can then go and press high and then they end up succeeding in the high press. And you might have might, might be wondering, oh, what's this got to do with fantasy football? It means that you now have three or four players on three or four players or in, who are in a disorganised defence, meaning your play, your offensive assets are now more likely to score. And something I did find interesting is even as like the last kick of the game, the Dundee player had the ball in the corner and there was just three Celtic players charging at him. So 
They yeah, do not stop. They don't stop. So a Celtic having two or three offensive Celtic assets is a must, in my opinion. Um, my man of the match has to go to Jota. He got his two goals and one assist. He had three shots on target and one key pass. But I will not write off Ralston and Kyogo Furuhashi, who were also very, very solid this game. Yep, those are the three names I've gotten written down here. I think, you know, it's which Celtic players to own has become the sort of captain tab discussion of last season. Which ones do you have? Which ones do you want? Which three are the best? And I think this game week, at least for the time being, puts an underscore underneath that. Um, between Kyogo, Yota and um, Ralston, they took 11 shots, six of those going on target and at least one hitting the woodwork. Um value that Ralston is still offering um, is phenomenal and he, if if he was not on my team, definitely would be a high priority transfer. I'm looking at ways to figure out of get, looking at figuring out routes to Yota but he is he's quite quickly steaming out of my out of range when it comes to budget. Yep, I think I was lucky when I bought him at 6.2 million and he's now half a million more expensive so a good investment from me, and considering I think he's returned nine times in eight games for Celtic. Again, it's nothing to turn your nose up at. Yeah. Only other performance I'm going to outline this weekend is well, this weekend from that fixture um, was, as you have already mentioned, um, McMullen. He looks fantastic. His delivery for um, was it both the goals? Yeah, it was both the goals. Yep. For both the goals was excellent, um, especially the ball in for the second one. It's just fantastic. He looks oh. like an excellent wee player, and I think if you are looking for a done, I might even. I would consider have just bringing him in on a wild card. I think I have higher priority transfers, but he's a budget midfielder, and he looks yeah like excellent value at his price. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's two big chances created, and I mean they obviously scored from both of them. But yeah, Paul McMullen. I, I'm tempted to not necessarily. I'm not going to have to finagle to move him in, but I'm really tempted to. If there's no like other fires or other things I want to do, I think he would be the transfer in. Um, anyway, on to the final game of the weekend due to the COVID postponement. We have Aberdeen versus Motherwell with the Steel Men running out 2-0 winners. What I will say is that as with St Mirren, and especially Curtis Main having poor shot choice. Aberdeen, just as a team, their shot choice was really off. I think one of the first highlights of the game was Ramirez like got the ball like a bit of an awkward angle uh, or an awkward height, and he tried to scissor kick it, like bicycle kick it, where he could have just ch- like chested it down and like maybe taken a touch and shot or just hit hit it first time, but he doesn't. And then Hedges for one of the chances was absolutely bursting into the box he'd like lost his marker it was in acres of space I think it's Dean Campbell just shoots from like 20-25 yards out and it's just like come on just pass it and he's like got a scoring opportunity three four maybe even five times greater than that of the shot that you're taking um, this sort of leads into the man you've outlined as your like best performer for this fixture is being Liam Kelly Eight saves is very impressive, and there were a couple of really good stops in there. Oh, yeah. But Aber- Aberdeen's forwards didn't make it particularly difficult for him. No, like, the, the there was one point where he was he made the save, and I think he saved onto the post, and it fell to one of the Aberdeen players. 
from like two or three yards out and he just hits it straight at him and like don't get me wrong it's a fantastic save from Kelly but you put it literally anywhere to the left or the right of his arm and it's in and it's yeah yeah not so happy with Aberdeen offensive assets and Lewis the goalkeeper for Aberdeen also looks relatively poor Um, passed it you reckon? Scott Brown was past it before Brendan Rodgers came in to Celtic. So, I mean, Ralston was past, not, not past it, but he wasn't good enough for Celtic before Postacoglu came in. So, I mean, maybe don't write him off, but he's just not looking good this season. Maybe the lack of confidence from Stephen Glass, chip-chopping up between goalkeepers, and maybe him having the... Cl- the is it? Did he have his club captaincy stripped and he was given to Scott Brown or just the like pitch captaincy given to Scott Brown? Maybe that affected his confidence a bit. Um, but again, I think Aberdeen were made... To, I think I've said this before. Aberdeen were made... Sort of fell victim to not taking their chances. They made Motherwell look good, which is really frustrating because I don't rate them at all. I think they're crap. And the underlying data suggests this as well. For the last four and six fixtures, they fall bottom of the expected goals against column. Whereas in reality, they find themselves, what, in the top half of the table? They might just be seventh and like just outside the top half, but they're definitely in and about the top six, which is kind of weird. Um, for the season, they're bottom four for expected goals. And for uh, expected goals against, they are rock bottom. Um, so definitely much a definitely a very very much a false position when it comes to the in real life table and despite Kevin Van Veen's two goals this weekend I'm not particularly interested in him to be quite frank nah, and I think both of Van Veen's goals came from poor Aberdeen defending like I th- I th- for the second goal I know that he saw Van Veen sort of somehow just gets around McCrory to not lose him but just gets in front of him from a corner and I know as someone who can't play football whatsoever is you never let the opposition striker get in front of you at a corner and then for the first goal he just sort of he was free unmarked he, he completely unmarked I don't know whether it was yeah I don't know if it was just sort of inexperienced because I think their centre-backs and Bates and McCrory are two very young players so maybe it's just sort of a lack of experience and a lack of they're not very young they're both in their like mid-twenties and McCrory's 23, 24. Bates is around the same age, maybe a touch no, I, older. I just thought I thought that they were younger than that. To be I honest. think they've been promising, but they've been promising for a while. Um, that was particularly disappointing. But at both ends of the park from Aberdeen, particularly as someone that brought into offensive Hib, uh, Hibs, sorry, Aberdeen assets in uh, Hedges and Ramirez. Yep. So, yeah, um, I'm still really unsure on... Aberdeen assets, yeah, as well. They like, although they're like they're they're in the sort of the opposite to Motherwell. They should be better, doing better than they are, but they just also don't look. They they look like they should be where they are. If that makes sense, their players don't inspire confidence in me. To pick them for my team, apart from Ramirez, I feel I'm hoping at least. Um, from a fantasy football perspective, that this is just a small blip in the road for Aberdeen because Aberdeen were definitely on uh, upwards trajectory off the back of victories against Hearts and Hibs and securing a point away at Ibrox. So I guess that remains to be seen. But yeah, my man of the match was Kelly. He made eight saves and I think that sort of speaks for itself. No doubt he'll have been the recipient of three bonus points and the clean sheet points, taking him well over 10 points, probably 11 or 12 points. I think it'll be 11, yeah. Anyway, so that's it's done with this game week. I think we're going on to the shortlist.
Correct, on with the watch list. So we um, had sort of given an update for one earlier in the season, and the reason that we haven't done it again is we haven't ourselves been up- updating it. But I, I think actually it's something that, I mean, going forward from here, we look to, we'll be looking to updating it far more regularly because I actually think it can be a very useful tool for fantasy football managers. When it came to the deadline for the most recent game week, I really sort of was in a bit of a panic with Boyce not starting again and wanting to remove Abada um, because I didn't think he was going to start that game. I think he did end up starting but didn't return, so I guess it was a reasonable transfer. But my point here is, with a watch list at hand, you have a record of the players that you have been thinking about keeping an eye on. So if some errant, errant team news is thrown up, you can react to it fairly well. Yeah. Anyways, here it is. In goals, I have four listed. Seeing as I am semi-considering a goalkeeper transfer in the near future, I have Craig Gordon of Hearts, Xander Clark of St. Johnson, Max Stryak of Livingston, and Matt Macy of Hibs. I'd also like to point out that this is sort of a collaborative effort for me and Harry. We sort of both... I can both agree on all four of those geek goalkeepers if you really want any of them are... Yeah, I mean, I think Gordon is the most expensive, and I'd be maybe a little bit put off by his price, but again, not too much. Uh, I think my 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 favourite from that four is probably Matt Macy, who plays seven fixtures in the next five, and as we'll go on to discuss in a second, has a very very nice run. Defence, obviously, seeing as Thomas doesn't have him in his team, James Taver- James Tavernier tops this uh, list of defenders. Josip Juranovic uh, is on there. However, I think if you don't already have Anthony Ralston, then he's the clear favourite out of those two, at least for the time being. Paul McGinn, again, for the same reasons as Matt Macy. Um, he has a nice fixture run and plays seven games in the next uh, five game weeks. Then I've got um, three defenders in Michael Smith, Stephen Kingsley and Alex Cochran. But I'm not going to lie, I'm tempted to chuck Michael Smith off that list. If I'm not mistaken, he was benched this weekend. Yeah, I'm oh, the, tempted. Not this weekend, this most recent game week. Uh, uh, he's one of the players who I'm tempted to chuck out my own team, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough, so he might be removed. I really like the look of Scott Tanzer. He's been St. Marin's best player over the past three or four game weeks, so my eyes on him. My, my only gripe with him is how. Not that. So, uh, how, yes, kind of how poor St. Marin's attack has been. It's not been great, and I feel if he had better strikers, he'd be getting more offensive returns. It's been patchy at best, that's for sure. Um, I've got Ryan Edwards of Dundee United who scored that. We didn't mention it in our review of the game. Right, absolute un- cracker. One goal. Does take a small deflection off the defender, um, but my goodness me, they yeah. even have the gonads to attempt a shot like that from like 40 yards. Fair play to the man. But no, he has been cropping up with goals as the target set piece and is playing in, according to the expected data, one of the um, top four defences in the league. So, um, yeah. so fair play. And then finally, just as a sort of a couple of punt considerations. Um, Harry Clark and Conor Rando of Ross County both post reasonable um, attacking underlyings with regards to the key passes, shots, etc., etc. And Ross County, in a similar fashion to Hibbs, they play in the blank and then double in, I think it's game week 18. So I'm considering them. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're in the watch list for reasons. So, I mean, I wouldn't turn my nose up at those players. On to midfield, Harry. Yep, so again, it's two Rangers men that top the list of midfielders. Ryan Kent, now that he's fit, starting, you've got to have your eye on him because I do think at some point he's going to explode. He didn't 
he had a he scored a very good goal, um, but he didn't necessarily have one of his better performances in Rangers shirt. But I think it's a matter of time before he starts ticking. I I would also like to put that or personal feeling is that generally speaking, Rangers are a better team when Kent is playing. Agreed. I would have to say it's you're probably right. And then I've put Joe Rebo on this list because whilst he hasn't come up with any monster hauls, he is ticking over quite nicely yep. and has done since the start of the season. So keeping an eye on him. From the Celtic midfield, again, it's two players I don't have that you do, uh, Yota and David Turnbull. I prefer Yota, but he, as we've already mentioned, is really starting to climb out of you know, range, climb out range for my... For my uh, from my finances, uh, so I'm, I may look to Turnbull, who, in a similar fashion to Aribo, I think can take over quite nicely for the rest of the season. Martin Boyle, he's on there because I think you have transferred him out, as far as I'm aware, Thomas. Uh, yeah, I think I did. I just need to go check. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, so he's on there, obviously, again, because of the run of fixtures and the volume of fixtures that he has coming up. Then we've got Imari Niskanen who Thomas has not stopped blathering on about in the past few podcasts. I swear I mentioned him every single episode. Peter Pollitt, his Dundee United counterpart, who also in a similar fashion has been performing quite well. I think I, maybe not as often, but I do bring up his name a couple of times. Jamie McGrath and Conor Ronan of St. Mirren, I think. Have you not got Conor Ronan? I don't have Conor Ronan, no. Oh, okay. Two, Two midfielders falling into that budget price. And again, now that, McGrath's back fit in the same way that Rangers are a better team when Kent plays. St. Mirren are a different outfit almost altogether when McGrath is playing. So he's on there. And then I've got Ross Callahan and Regan Charles Cook of Ross County. Because I have neither of them. And then Odin Bailey of Livingston. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at it, and I think Charles Hungbo might be a player who is missing from that list. Potentially, but I'll go on to discuss that it, a little is it bit. Is Charles Hungbo? I don't remember what his first name is. Ah, Hungo, anyway. Uh, but yeah, he's he's something. He's someone I would consider, but I, I think I'll talk you out of that quite quickly in a second. Okay. Finally, before we move on to looking ahead to game week fourteen, the forwards I have listed on our watch list are Eamon Brophy at the top for you for Saint Marin, um, Tony Watts of Motherwell. I put Kevin Van Veen, Van Veen on here, but I already want to take him off. Um, ben Woodburn. Really, really impressed. He's listed as a forward, right? I'm sure he's listed as a forward. That'd be funny if it turns out he's a midfielder. Thomas can fact check me on that one whilst I finish off this list here. I've got Liam Boyce on here too. He is meant to be coming back to fitness, so as soon as he is, I'll likely be looking. Uh, maybe not as soon as he's fit, but I, I've got no doubt he'll be back in my team at some point in the season. And finally, Kevin Nisbet as an outside shout. Fair. And we, I think we're about to go on to discuss that a bit. But do you think Woodburn's a defender or a midfielder, Harry? Well, he's like, definitely not a defender. A midfielder or an attacker? He's an attacker. Wrong. Uh, he's a midfielder? Yep. Ah, well, he'll move into there then. Yeah, I mean, that, I would argue that's even better Yeah. if he's a midfielder because he'll get... Does he get more points for scoring? He gets an extra point for the goal and if Hearts keep a clean sheet, he'll get an extra point for that too. So yep. depending on the day, that might be And extra. he's a midfielder, which means he's in the only sort of player bracket that gets a bonus point for 40 passes. Considering his position I would be surprised to see that happen one time this year. Very true. But it's just something to point out. Right. Game week 14 transfer plans and captaincy. Now normally I think we would go and have a look at what sort of transfers we were considering but I think considering seeing as there are grander themes at play here when it comes to strategy over the next 
four or five game weeks. It's probably worth discussing captaincy and then talking about transfers and strategy over the, the, the coming game weeks in the same sort of breath, so to speak. So, here are my... Have you given much thought to captaincy yet this week, Thomas? Not loads, but I know it... I. I'm in a very tough place where... I, yeah, I'm very unsure on who to captain. I'm tempted but just to CVC two defenders because I feel that attacking players this week aren't necessarily the... Or like the, the offences that are playing this week might not necessarily be the greatest in which my defences are coming up against, if that makes sense. All the fixtures are pretty tight, is yep. your point here. And I don't think they're... I mean, we could be proven wrong come the podcast next week, but I don't think there are going to be many particularly high-scoring games this week. I think for me there are two standout choices. Um, first and foremost, I would say Boyce. Um, he was close to start, uh, close to fitness um, before the start of the international break, um, so uh, he should be back for game week fourteen. Um, they're playing versus Motherwell, who are the worst side at home uh, uh, in the league. Um, they have an average expected goals of 0.6 and an uh, expected goals against of 1.75. So I think Boyce would be a good shout for that fixture. He's on penalties too, and that's always something that's worth considering when it comes to captaincy shouts. Um, as we mentioned already, it's worth noting I, there is a small rotation risk. There is a chance that Nielsen just keeps the same front three as the game week before because he feels as though they've earned their position as a result of a spectacular performance but I still think it's likely Boyce comes back in I would be kind of I would be semi-surprised if he was left out again it's like Tottenham leaving out Harry Kane he's just their best striker what's the point of leaving him out second uh, on the list and the player I'm most likely going to captain will be Boyle whilst Ross County are coming into sort of a bit of form when it comes to um, expected data um, Ross County have the third highest expected goals against um, at home in the league with an expected goals conceded of 1.25 um, and whilst there is, something has been made of Hibs's per run of form it is particularly their attack it's worth noting that they have played the four best defences um, in the last four fixtures and three of the top attacking three of the top five attacking sides in the last four fixtures so I think this would be an opportunity for Hibs to turn it around and I think Boyle could be someone who comes up big this weekend for Hibs outside of that yeah there are not many options I think you know one of what Ramirez or Brophy if for some reason you have neither Boyce nor uh, Boyle like yourself Thomas Yep. Um, but even then for each of those I'm not convinced whilst Watt is in form and is the tied top scorer in the league he's playing against a top 6 defence and according to underlying statistics he is massively over- overperforming alongside the rest of his team and a downturn in results from Otherwell is I pending not going to lie I'm tempted to Captain Tanzer he is playing at home to Livingston and he is potentially so. I feel like it's not going to be a high-scoring game, and there's a decent chance Livy, uh, Livy, uh, Saint Mary keep a clean sheet, and hopefully, if there's a player among the goals, it's him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I have very few nice options to captain or vice captain. Yeah, I have here Saint Mary down as potentially a good. Um, Vice-captaincy op- option. Livingston have the lowest expected goals away from home this season. 
Um, so I don't know if necessarily there'll be a whole load of... Uh, I don't think Tanza will necessarily go massive, but if he was to keep a clean sheet, make a couple of key passes, or gain an assist in a one-goal win, I think, yeah, I think maybe he is a good shout for captaincy. I think I'm considering Anik as vice-captain for that reason, actually. I think he, St. Mirren are, you know, not certain for a clean sheet, but if they were ever to a clean, be a, keep a clean sheet, it would be this weekend. I don't like Ramirez as an option as captain this week. He is looking sharp in an Aberdeen side. But he's playing um, Dundee United away, as we said, one of the better defences in the league. Absolutely. I've got Halkett and Smith. I know Smith didn't start up, but I'd be very tempted to vice-captain Halkett, who are playing against Motherwell this weekend. Um, so I'm, maybe, I'm, I'm tempted for a CVC of a defence double-up, neither of which are Tavernier. But that's that's more or less my thoughts when it comes to captaincy. So Boyce or Boyle are the standout picks, and there's no question about it. I probably would avoid what and Ramirez, and probably the same goes for Brophy too. Whilst Livingston are not a particularly good side relative to their position in the league, they are the eighth best defense away from home. While Saint Mirren are poor as an attacking side at home, with the um, they they find themselves in ninth when it comes to expected goals. Yeah. So vice captaincy, I like Saint Mirren defenders, um, and I also like Dundee United defenders. Um, they are the fourth best uh, defense in the league. And uh, Aberdeen's expected goals away from home is very much middling. I think sixth or seventh. Yeah, so I think Dundee United defenders could be a shout for that vice captaincy. Anything else you'd like to add on that front, Thomas? Um, no is an okay answer. No, nah, I haven't. Yeah, I've, I've not got anything else. I mean, I think you've pretty much said everything that I was actually just going to say. Um, so moving on to transfers for this week. Yeah, so I think when it comes to discussing transfers, but first of all, let's look ahead to the game week coming, blank game week 14. We have, I think it's four teams in total not playing, uh, two old firm sides, Dundee and St. Johnston, as a result of the uh, Premier Sports, is it the Premier Sports Cup? Yes, it is. Um, so, if you were to make a transfer, it's... It goes without saying I would be bringing in a player that is playing in game week uh, 14 for a player that's not. I don't see sense in stepping sideways from one player that is playing in game week 14 for another. You know, yep. That doesn't make sense to me. Ultimately, my plan is most likely, um, seeing as I already own Boyle and McGinn, um, two players who I'm going to go on to, to discuss um, in, a, in a little bit, I highly recommend if you have seven players or more playing this week, just hold your transfer, roll it, give yourself a bit of flexibility as we start hurtling towards the double game weeks in 17 and in 18. What do you think you'll be doing for transfer this week, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, it's very boring, but I plan on not making a transfer. You wouldn't consider Boyle or McGinn in this week, considering their run of fixtures? Uh, I could be tempted because I feel McCart is a player who I want to get rid of, but I feel I kind of want to... Uh, do I even need to manoeuvre my team to be able to afford Tav? No, I don't actually. I think I could afford if I could. Uh, I'm just outside of uh, actually. Cause actually, what I could do this week is go from McCart to maybe not McGinn, but a cheap Hearts defender who is playing regularly. Maybe like Josh Doig. And by Hearts, mean Hibs. Hi- yep. <laughs> Slip of the tongue there. Uh, could get a Hibs defender who isn't. McGinn because he's quite pricey I could get Josh Doig in and then next week 
And the reason why Hearts was on my mind was transfer out Smith because he's a more expensive player who, as we said, for some reason, just he was subbed on instead of played this week. So that could be two transfers for the upcoming game weeks that I make. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I'm in a very much in the position where I plan on rolling the transfer. And I guess seeing as we've brought it up and I've made this recommendation to you with regards to McGinn and Boyle, let's talk about strategy here. So if you already have Boyle and McGinn, I would definitely roll a transfer, provided you've got seven plus players playing this game week. If not, I would definitely consider bringing one of the two of them in because over the next five game weeks, they play seven times, which is more than any other team in the league, thanks to the rescheduled fixtures um, caused as a result of the COVID outbreak in the camp. Yeah, the games that got moved from game weeks 12 and 13. Yeah, I think that... Um, you know, as I've already alluded to, whilst the Hibs are in poor form, they have been playing definitely some of the better sides in the league. And it's absolutely worth highlighting, if you exclude Rangers from their run of seven fixtures, they play the six worst defences and the six worst offences in the league. Like, that is yep. a run to target. I think we have absolutely. a question. Bear with me whilst I bring it up on Twitter. Uh, Twitter. We had a question this week from at Paul, sorry, not at Paul, from Paul Cartwright um, at Hoss Fit asking, playing the fixtures, best teams to target, who has got their best run? Head and shoulders above above the rest, it's Hibs. Absolutely. Considering the type, the, the quality of teams that they are set to, set to play and the number of fixtures they have, it's them. Yep, I think you could sort of like make the point that because if you can pick a player that plays 60 minutes in all four of the games and both of the double game weeks they have that's you already just got eight points that's not with them getting any defensive returns or offensive returns or any like other points from passes tackles interceptions etc so like yeah i mean like like it's just a no-brainer to try and get a few hips players in maybe even this week due to the fact that they're playing in a blank so you're already although it yeah, you're already sort of manoeuvring towards not only this game, but game week 18. 17 and 17, 18. Yeah, sorry, 17 and 18. And it was a transfer maybe two or... Th- uh, sorry, just before the... Yeah, it's two or three weeks before the COVID outbreak. It would have been a bit of a, why are you doing that transfer? But now it is, uh, it's got potential to be like a very, very good transfer. I think so. It leads us sort of nicely onto the next question as well that comes... Next sort of two questions, I guess. Um, we've sort of already answered um, at Josh underscore footblogs question who asks, with two double game weeks in two weeks, um, 17 and 18, do you think having more than one Hibs asset is a good idea ahead of said game weeks? Answer, all, I, absolutely. I think it's better than a good idea, to be honest. And half our fantasy podcast uh, at Fantasy Half asks top three Hibs assets for the upcoming double gaming. So already mentioned, Boyle, no-brainer, on penalties. Midfielder who scores quite frequently. I like him, not only as a player to own, but probably my captain in, or definitely my captain in game week 17, potentially my captain this game week. And then maybe in game week 18, we'll have to wait and see. So I think Boyle number one, purely because I can see myself captaining him, captaining him quite often. And then in a close second, it would be McGinn. I mean, you would say maybe game week 18, but I don't see any reason as to why you wouldn't, maybe unless you captained a Celtic player, because in that game week, they play St. Mirren and Dundee. 
and Dundee is at home, so that I could I wouldn't be surprised if Hibs can get somewhat of a decent attack together. That's a high scoring game there. Yeah. So number one Boyle, agreed. Yep, and and like it he is a captain option for three of the next five or six game weeks. Do you designated do you designate him the much coveted must owned status? How comfortable? Yeah. How comfortable would you feel heading into game week seventeen and eighteen with Head Boyle in your team? Not very. Ah, there we go. So I, yeah, I think he's even if Hibs aren't too great, I still feel he he is in that must own. I think he's a player that's going to play one hundred and eighty minutes both of those game weeks. McGinn for very similar reasons. You could vice captain him in both fixtures if you fancy doubling up. I think he's also just a good player to own. I don't know exactly where he is in the scoring charts, but he's right up there for fantasy football. Scotland points so far this season. I think that's set to continue over the next five game weeks. Number three is very much up for debate, Thomas. Who do you like? I think you could sort of designate a joint third to Josh Doig based on his price. Pretty cheap at 2.7 million. And then, although he's not really been firing this season, you could have Nisbet just because he's destined to start. And he has some very decent underlyings. Well, it's interesting you bring up his underlines. We discussed this off pod a little bit. He is second amongst all players with five appearances or more um, for uh, shots in the box with 2.2 per game. On the flip side of that, he is 50th for shots on target with only 0.4 per game when compared to um, other players that have played more than five appearances. What I will say, if there was ever a run of fixtures in a season for Nisbet to get his campaign flying... It's this one coming up. So I think if he was to bag a goal this weekend, or maybe next, I would really start thinking about having him in for that double. Or maybe even figuring a way to having the funds there, take a punt on him for two weeks, and if it doesn't pay off, then I'd take him out. Because that could go massive, I think. I would maybe, I don't know about this, but I'd maybe hold off because they play Rangers the game week before their double-double game weeks. Um Saying that, there's actually a good opportunity for them to score because to score because Rangers haven't kept a clean sheet in however many game weeks. Actually, but I get your point. So you're thinking wait until after game week 16. Essentially, as I said, for those two double game weeks before bringing him in. Absolutely. I like you. I'm a fan of Doing. I think that would be a good move. I'm also an advocate for Macy in goals at 2.6 mil, playing against the six worst attacks in the league in the next seven fixtures. I think there's going to be a lot of points coming for yeah. Matt Macy. So I like and. Maybe this is a bit too early just to talk to just now. All of those players are players who I would consider if I was going to wildcard in those game weeks. Yeah, I would agree. Um, another player we kind of discussed off pod was Doidge, but we are unsure of him as a player. He's not a fantasy football he, player. Yeah, we, we described him as a good footballer, not a good fantasy footballer. Absolutely. I think yeah, he does a lot for that hip side, but he won't. Uh, he won't return as much as it not. I think he's up. I don't know what his price is now, but it was up in the mid five millions. And considering the other players that are firing at that price, a strong not worth it. The one thing I am waiting for is a budget midfielder to emerge. McGinnis took that mantle at the mantle at the start of the season. Um, but uh, since f- dropping back in position and then dropping out of the side as a result of his injury. No one has really taken his spot. I think Scott Allen is far too much of rotation risk. Jake Doyle-Hayes plays far too deep. Joe Newell is a more defensive-minded player. So I'll wait. A budget midfielder. And with the potential return of Doidge, they could go with a top-top, meaning that they'd have to then drop one of their midfielders. 
So, I mean, like, it, it, that's a wait and watch type thing. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Right. Moving on then, I guess, with regards to tra- teams to target um, and strategy. Another team I would consider looking at would definitely be Ross County. Um, they are one of two teams who... Sorry, one of three teams that play in the blank and double in the next four or five game weeks. Uh, they play against Hibs at home and then they double in game week 18, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I would argue that they currently occupy a false position uh, in the table. Um, they, they're particularly infamous expected to- points table that gets kicked about Scottish football Twitter uh, every week, it seems. Has Ross County only one point off the top six? Um, and uh, according to their expected data, when you compare the season average, last six average, and last four average, they are improving as a side when it comes to their underlying statistics. Um, they are, in the last six fixtures, they are sixth and fourth for XGA and XGA. And then in the last four, they are fifth and seventh for XGA and XGA. So very reasonable numbers when you consider the fact that they are currently rooted to the bottom of the table. Um... Little caveat, I guess, to their fixture run is it is a mixed bag of fixtures. Some easy, some tough, but it is worth noting that their most difficult fixtures are all being played at home. Do you like anyone from that side, Thomas? You said Hungbo. Yeah, when I was watching the highlights, Hungbo was getting high and central as a player, so he is definitely someone. And then Clark is another player. He looked solid. Not only does he look good going forward, he also is defensively a solid player. I think he made a super last ditch challenge and like an absolutely fantastic challenge in during the game so he is another one would i re i mean there's the argument of also having charles cook but i can't really see myself trying to finagle my way to anyone else my two favorite picks from ross county side um would probably be midfielders Ross Callahan, a fantasy football Scotland darling, and Regan Charles Cook, a player who I already own. And for your benefit, Thomas, to talk you out of considering Hungbo and those listening, I have decided not to talk about Hungbo's stats at all because I had a look at them and they weren't even worth considering compared to these really? two picks. Yeah, not even close. So uh, when it comes to shots and shots on target, I'll do Callahan's first and then uh, Regan Charles Cook's. It goes 1.3 shots. Uh, and 0.8 on target per game, and then 1.3 for Regan Charles Cook, and 0.6 on target per game. Uh, key passes per game, 0.8 each. Something worth, I thought was worth mentioning, and I have yet to decide whether I think it's a good thing or a bad thing. Ross Callahan has missed four big chances so far this season, which suggests two things. Getting in good positions, A. B. Not finishing them particularly well. However, I do think the fact that he's getting in these positions is positive. And if you are you know, a believer in the law of averages, you would expect a degree of regression when it came to his performances. He, however, on the other hand, has created no big chances, whilst Regan Charles Cook himself has created three so far this season. And I think at 3.6 million compared to Callahan's 4.4, I think Regan Charles Cook is the pick over these two. I will caveat this all with, I do think Hungbo is a punt. He does look like a particularly explosive player and costs a measly 2.8 million. But I think compared to... I mean, ultimately, Callahan and Regan Charles Cook are both scoring fantasy football Scotland points already. 
No, it's very, it's very, we could argue the same about Hungbo though. Not even close. I think he know. has less than half the points of Regan Charles Cook and Callahan has considerably more too. But was Hungbo not playing at the start of the season, if I'm right in saying so? And that's, oh, finally, that's I think he is also a bit more of a rotation risk than the other two. Fair enough. I will not argue with you there because you seem to have done your research on that. Callahan might be on pens too. I don't know if you remember this. Jordan White, I think, was it against Livingston when they lost 3 2? Yeah, he know? missed his yeah. penalty. And then uh, since then, Callahan has taken one and scored one. So that so, is worth the consideration too. Yep, fair enough. Lastly, you mentioned Clark. I like Clark too at 2.5 million as a budget defender. I think that's a good shout. I think Randall as well has good underlying statistics at 2.4 million. Um, but it's worth remembering that the clean sheet potential there is pretty limited. Yes. Finally, the last team I guess you could consider, consider target, targeting would have been Livingston. But ultimately, outside of Odin Bailey and Bruce Anderson and Max Strike and goals, I guess there's there's no one I really want in that Livingston team. Not at the moment, at least. No. Not at the moment. I think I've covered everything that needs covered with regards to strategy going forward. Do you have anything, things worth mentioning? Um, yeah, I mean, I think this sort of wildcarding on game week 17 or 18 wouldn't be a bad shout. I'm glad you've brought that up. You've reminded me, Thomas. That is our last question before we round out the podcast. Ah. From, I think it's at Yala Leopard. He asks... Um, when do you think is the best time to use the first wild card if still holding? I mean, I think this is this is outside of other future extenuating circumstances. This is the perfect time to do it. Like game week seventeen is the perfect time to do it. Oh yeah, like there is very few times I feel the good offense, like the best teams in the league are playing the worst teams in the league in double game weeks. You have. Like, as I was saying earlier, you have, um, was it Hibs, a very, very good team, are playing two of the more duffers in St. Mirren away and then Dundee at home. So that's two very, very big games. And they're also, in the game week before that, playing Motherwell and Levy. So if you're sort of struggling to get, or if you've not, I don't know, if you've not been paying attention or whatever, or you've just wanted other assets... That would be the perfect time to wildcard and bring in three Hibs players. You also have uh, Celtic who are playing Motherwell at home in Ross County away. Again, you might see sort of something similar happen as to what happened against Dundee where because they're playing at home, they open up a bit. Celtic could score there and they're playing against Motherwell who Harry absolutely despises as a football club. I don't despise them as a football (laughs) club. They're just annoying as a fantasy football team. They are on paper terrible but have a lot of high-scoring players. I'll be honest, Thomas, I'm like 20% considering a wild card in game week 17, but I'm so close to a team I would already be comfortable with. I'm not sure if it's worth it. I would say if you are going to go ahead and wild card, I would do it in game week 17 with the view of targeting Hibs assets, particularly if you don't have any. I would also do it so that you're, unless you, you know, an injury happens, to one of, you know, if one of your players becomes injured in game week 17, meaning he's unavailable for game week 18, I would have your team set up in a fashion where you wildcard in 17 with your three Hibs assets, along with a whole host of other players who either double in 18 or have a very, very favourable fixture. I'm looking at, uh, I think is that Aberdeen playing St. Johnson away, I think is a reasonable fixture. And then that's, is that 
Dundee United playing? I think she'll take her so far away from here. Who's playing Livingston at home, Thomas? Uh, Dundee United, right? Where are you seeing? Oh, oh, and game week 18. Uh, no, it's... Dundee United. Dundee United. Yes, yeah. it's Dundee United. I would have them, and then with a view of... So, wildcard game week 17. With, you know, McGinn, Boyle, another Hibs player. Have it so that you don't have your bench trick player yet, or a cheapo goalkeeper. And roll a transfer between game week 17 and 18. Bench boost in 18. And then make two transfers in the game week following. Bringing in the bench trick player, if you so so fancy, and upgrading a player elsewhere. Yeah. I'm now 30% keen. <laughs> now 30% keen. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's a reasonable play, if I'm quite honest. It all does depend on Hibbs's form heading into those double game weeks, seeing how they're playing. Yep. I mean, like, I feel there is not going to be many like sort of big opportunities like this to come in the season where the sort of stars are all aligning, where the big hitters are playing the not so great teams and playing them regularly. Yala Leopard asked, when is the best? I don't think there is any way of determining the best before it happens, but there's no doubt this is a very good opportunity to play. And I've said already on this podcast, I've been waiting for a big double game week to use that chip. And this could be them because you've, Got St Johnston playing Aberdeen and Rangers, which means that both Aberdeen and Rangers are playing St Johnston on that game week. You've got, um, yeah, like Celtic are playing two pretty crap teams. Um, Hibs have four solid, solid, like can't state this enough, four extremely good games in the space of two game weeks. Um, yeah, I yeah, I think not necessarily the perfect time, but I think I think it's one of the two best opportunity, two or three best opportunities this season. Yep, forty um, percent key. For like, it's creeping up slowly. I'm going. I'm after we finish recording this, Thomas. I'm going to go away and start making a draft and see what it looks like. Yeah, I th- I think due to how also how like how players' prices have risen, you can also sort of afford a very, very good team now as well. You're going to be, at that point, 16 game weeks deep. You could easily have an extra three or four million to throw around from the start of the season. So, like, you can't really know, but, like, when someone's knocking on the door, you open it type thing. I think if you are in the same boat as me where you're now 50% keen to play that wild card, then I would strongly consider it. But also have a look at your team and see whether or not you can build to your wild card team to target 17 and 18 without using it. Because then if you can get almost there, you save that chip for a potentially another good opportunity down the road. Yep. But this is also sort of like the, a, a, a sort of fleeting moment in the season where you look back to and just go, oh, damn, I wish I'd wild carded there type thing. The December fixture crunch, a blank game week, two double game weeks, and wild cards afoot. Sounds like a good place to end the podcast on, Thomas. Yep. Uh, So we will see you next week. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to follow us at SFFantasyCom on Twitter. And I hope you enjoy the episode. See you next week. Good to be back. See you next week.